The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoratti Show. As always, I'm your host, Nicholas Gregoratis, and I'm speaking to you from my studio in Los Angeles, California. I hope wherever you are in the world listening to this, that this message finds you living a life of purpose, fulfillment, and alignment. And speaking of alignment, if you haven't yet read my book, Aligned, The Modern Man's Guide to True Health, Wealth, and fulfillment. You can find it either on Amazon, you can get a print copy there or a Kindle copy. Or if you want a free copy, head on over to coachnickg.com forward slash book. And Nick is spelt with just a C. So coachnickg.com forward slash book, and you can get a free copy there. And uh, today's guest is a unusual one. He is a cryptologist and an author and a man who spent over 25 years in the military. The conversation, as it usually does, didn't go the way I wanted it to, uh, not the way I wanted to, the way I expected it to. I actually really enjoyed the conversation. It it was even better than I imagined it was going to be. Funny enough, with this episode, we recorded it once before, but I lost the recording. I'm embarrassed to say I um, made a technical error and I lost the whole recording. And the guest was actually kind of relieved because he didn't really enjoy the first ep- the first time we recorded. He, he didn't think he made a good account of himself. I don't think that's true, but I do think that this re-recording was a lot better than the first one. And so I'm glad to be able to bring it to you guys. So without further ado, here is Kenneth Earl. I hope you guys enjoy. Earl, also known as Craig, and he is a cryptographer and author of the book Illegitimate Son. He's also got extensive military experience. Just a pretty interesting dude, and I'm, I'm so happy to have you here, Kenneth. And let's let's start there, man. You have two names, Kenneth and Craig. Why why is that? Well, thank you, Nick. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here today on your show uh, to talk about this. Yes, there's two names. the The author of the book is Kenneth Thurl, and Kenneth Thurl was my brother. And uh, I was considering a pen name for the book, Illegitimate Son, S U N, and uh, you know, when I came up with it, I asked, I went and requested my uh, my older sibling, my brother and my my sister. What did they think uh, to honor my brother who passed away at too early of an age? He was 40 years old. That's just too young to pass. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have his legacy. So I used his name in the book. But my name is Craig Taylor. And, uh, you know, so that was just a way of honoring him and representing him. Um, as well as my mother, because the, the book is uh, was was motivated by her. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, share her legacy and also just to document, you know, the impacts that she had on my life. So the short answer to the question is Kenneth Thurl is my brother. And that's a way of me and my family uh, just maintaining his legacy. Uh, he was just an extraordinary young man. OK, cool. I get it. So I'm going to I'll call you Craig for the for the rest of the conversation. But I respect that, man. That's that's a really cool way to honor your brother. And yes. uh, I'm sure wherever he is, he's, he's happy about that. And yes. it's, it's quite a big theme with you 
honoring your family because the book illegitimate son we'll get into more about what the book's about a little bit later in the conversation but it's a play on the word son because it's it's spelled s-u-n but it's also about son s-o-n because um it's my understanding you were born out of wedlock is that right that is correct. In okay. fact, uh, my mother had four children. Uh, she was born in during the Depression. She raised uh, four of us uh, in the segregated South. She only had a general education diploma, but uh, Nick, she was filled with wisdom and, and, and high integrity. And she did her very best to raise us, to make a better life for us. And again, that was part of the, the motivation behind that as well. So just with that, you know, back then when we were born, where you were born, you know, without a father, you you were considered illegitimate. Mm-hmm. And we don't use terms like that in, in today's environment, obviously. Uh, but back then, that's what it was. So what I wanted to do was try to be literally clever by capturing illegitimate with the word S-U-N as the sun rises. Because in mm-hmm. the story, you'll see how we came from these extraordinarily humble beginnings to, to where I'm at now, to working with the top spies in this country or in this globe for that matter. Mm-hmm. So uh, to that extent, that's what it was. It was just a literary way of, of capturing that. And for all those folks who might feel illegitimate or saying there, you know, there's a lot of people suffering from what we call imposter syndrome, or maybe you were born on the other side of the tracks. Uh, this story is just an inspirational story that's designed to inform, to inspire, and even entertain uh, for those who might feel that uh, the odds are against them. That's really cool. So what came to my mind when you were discussing your mom's background and mm-hmm. and her experience of being a black woman in the depression, yes. in the deep South, raising four kids, I cannot even imagine how difficult that must have been. Wow. And, and, and you're spot on. And that's what inspired me because uh, when I would have those moments of, of doubt or question, I would just kind of reach back and just think about her life. And and truthfully, you know, um, just being able to be where I'm at today. And remember, though, she didn't have a full, you know, education. And in terms of, you know, finishing high school, going on to college, et cetera, she was filled with a lot of wisdom and high integrity. And those are things that we took away as as siblings. Uh, She obviously, you know, um, did a lot of praying for us, too. But those are very difficult times. I mean, and let's just be let's just be honest, just growing up in the Jim Crow era. Uh, where, you know, similar to, say, South Africa, you know, apartheid, a lot different, you know, but a lot of similarities as well. You know, I've never been to South Africa, but I've seen the stories and and I can, you know, it's probably some similar kind of fate, but it was very Mm -hmm. difficult uh, living back then. And when you count the Depression, she was born in 1937. The Depression ended, but she was a young kid growing up in that that time. So you can Mm -hmm. just only imagine what that was for a young lady. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I can't actually imagine. I, I, I'll try, but I can't. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the stats, the stats exist to show that, that children from single parent homes, in particular, single parent homes where the single parent is the mother, single mother homes, mm-hmm. uh, actually do terribly in life generally. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the stats prove it. You're, you're much more likely to make it if you, if you, if you just have your dad around even more likely to make it if your dad and mom are around and then right at the bottom is if it's just raised by your mom. So whenever I hear a story about someone such as yourself who just had their mom raising them, I know that that mother did an amazing fucking job, bro. Excuse, excuse my French, yes. but um, 
it's it says a lot about you, who you are and what you've managed to do in life says a lot about about your mom she 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 did amazingly well and let's get into that like who you are you're a yeah you're a cryptographer right which i mean i've never met a cryptographer it sounds really cool to me you know i'm guessing it's got to do with encrypting stuff uh yes. for the government to to keep i know the government secrets out of the hands of the enemy either way that's pretty cool and how did you how did you come to be to be doing that and to get to such a high rank because yeah. remind remind me please craig what rank are you in in the military yes. good yeah so i joined as an enlisted i came in as an e1 enlisted and the okay. highest grade in the enlisted ranks are uh, e9 so i went from e1 to e9 that's the wow. highest rank in the navy uh, or in the military period because uh when it comes to enlisted personnel uh that represents the top 1.25 percent of the military so to get to that level, I mean, obviously it takes a lot of hard work, dedication, and just uh, commitment to excellence. But I think what uh, how actually propelled me was just a whole host of things. You asked me, how did it start? This started, uh, I actually joined the military when I was 17 years old. And the short of it is, you know, I was a star basketball player in high school, and I thought I might go off to college and play basketball. And that didn't happen, you know? And one of the reasons why I wanted to do that was because my, my sister above me, she, she went to college and my mother struggled to support her in college. And I saw that my two other siblings, my older brother went in the air force, my, my next to Kenneth, he actually went in the U.S. Army and they both were outstanding uh, servicemen. So I saw those examples. Right. And then when I didn't get the athletic scholarship to go to school, because I knew I needed the they would need that scholarship because of the, the, the you know, the economics uh, back then just weren't good for my mother. So my basketball coach uh, who served in the Army as well, he encouraged me and said, well, maybe you want to consider going in the military. You can you can serve your country you know, learn a trade, get an education, travel the world and play basketball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my best friend, um, that after that conversation with my coach, my best friend, uh, I saw him and he told me him and one of, uh, another one of our classmates, uh, were joining the Navy. And I asked him, Hey, you know what? Um, I might want to do that. Uh, you know, what I, what I need to know how to swim. And he was like, I don't know. I don't, I can't swim either. So the rest is history. Now, how did I become a cryptologist, right? Well, when you join the military, many folks would know you have to take what they call an ASVAB, and that's just a high, that's an aptitude test to see what trades and, and skills that you do have. And, and I scored relatively high. And my recruiter at the time said, hey, you did pretty good relative to my uh, classmates who were going to be communications radio men. And he said, I want you to take another test, and it's called a D-Lab, Nick. And a D-Lab is Defense Language Aptitude Battery. And it's a test to determine your ability to learn a language, a foreign language. Now, remember, I'm from the segregated South. I'm 17 years old. I was an okay student, but I really blew this test away. And this test is a test that is of a, of a fictitious language. And he told me, I, I just said, when I turned it in, I didn't believe it. And he said, Craig, you blew that test away. And I said, really? And they said, you know, I'll get a Navy contract to go to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, to be a Russian linguist. Wow. And I'm like, wow, you know, what is that? What is a cryptologist? And, and he, he told me, hey, you'll learn a language and you'll be able to interpret those things. And, and you know, you just have to go and you learn the language. So I, I went to Monterey. I arrived uh, at the boot camp, of course. And um, 
when I arrived there, they said, you know, at that time, the Cold War was coming to an end and we needed more what they call curlings, which are Korean linguists. They call them curlings. And uh, so they they transferred me out of that contract to put me in the Korean language. And I started learning Korean. And, uh, you know, long story short, you know, I, I didn't do well. Uh, I actually did. I had an overall passing score. But at the end of the day, your listening comprehension, meaning your ability to interpret a language, that was subpar. And of course, if you're doing this in the military, you have to be able to determine the difference between, I'll say, a bird and a bomb. And the last thing you want to do is miss those words. So you have to be really spot on. And that was one of the most critical uh, modules that you had to do well. So I ended up being reclassified as a cryptologic technician communications. The best way to describe it, if I were to join the Navy under that same thing today, that would be like a cybersecurity expert where we're dealing with codes. You mentioned that earlier, where mm-hmm. we're encrypting and decrypting signals and, and messages to make sure that our communications are safe and protected from adversaries and things of that nature as you can imagine, for even to support special operations and any classified communications. So that's what I did for 21 and a half years. That's, that's awesome. I often think if I could do it all again, I mean, I've, I've had such an amazing life. I, I wouldn't change anything, mm-hmm. but if I had to change something, when I was about 18 or 19, I'd, I'd go back and I'd, I'd probably enlist in the military. It's just, I think it's, I mean, sure, fighting and you know, getting injured or maimed or killed. Yeah, that that's, no one wants that. But everything else from the military, all the discipline and the contacts you make and the the structure it gives your life and the, the network. And I just think it's so, it's so cool, man. What a, what an amazing thing to have done. Yeah. And um, for transparency, I, I've heard some of your podcasts and I've heard you talk about that. And every time I hear that, I, I it just, it just, it just warms my spirit because there's a lot of you know, men and women that are, that are serving and have served that understand that. And then, you know, a lot of folks join for various reasons. And just to hear someone who hasn't served, you know, to say those things is very, very, uh, it's heartwarming and it's, it's heartfelt because I can honestly tell you, you know, you do, it is a lot of discipline. Though my mother did a great job of raising me and, and making me a person of integrity and high character, it was the military that helped me with that discipline part. And the truth is the way that that process worked, it helped develop me into the leader that I am, the human being that I am. I've met some extraordinary men and women uh, that had helped, you know, mentor me and show me things to be where I'm at today. And that's one thing that uh, I do miss about the military. If it's one thing, it's that camaraderie, it's that uh, team spirit. But I can tell you, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, as you can see, see what's going on in the world today. Right. And you think about that. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm pretty sure every service member and veteran would appreciate your uh, you know, feelings about that as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I generally get on really well with anyone I meet that's either in the military or been in the military. They're just, they're just cool people. They just, I have some, some kind of affinity with them for some, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm always happy to speak to some, someone such as yourself. So you speak about gray beards and yes. how they helped you in your career or they played a role in your career. Can you, can you share a little bit more about that? Yes. Thank you for that. You know, after my military career, I actually went and started working at the defense intelligence agency. And then I started working at what we call the director of national intelligence. 
that is an organization that oversees all of the, the U.S.'s uh, intelligence uh, apparatus, which is about 16 agencies. Let's say 16 agencies to include the CIA, FBI, et cetera. So I uh, started working there and I was there as a cyber expert, you know, just given my cryptologic background and things of that nature. But I started working with these, uh, these well-seasoned, retired senior executive, high-ranking officials that are now contractors. So these are folks that have had long careers in the CIA, long careers in the FBI, uh, some also military services that so we have, you know, military counterintelligence or counterespionage folks. Mm-hmm. So I was in charge and working with this group of folks uh, on these special projects, I'll call them. And, uh, you know, so I looked up to them. I called them great beers because a lot of them were older, wise and very skilled individuals. And and coming to work every day was particularly in those early days, it was very intriguing. I mean, it was like I was in a movie every day learning the things that I learned. I did some extraordinary things in the Navy myself, but these men were definitely the top and the elite people in their fields. Uh, They wouldn't be where they were doing the work that we were doing if they weren't. But again, they were consultants and contractors that I was working with. And uh, they taught me a lot and I learned a lot. And and I, and I, I credit um, even some of my success in being in the position that I am today uh, because of all what I learned from working with them. That's cool. The graybeards. Imagine having a team of graybeards to help you with, with stuff. That's that's so yeah. cool. The the main reason I actually wanted to speak to you when your your PR team sent me your the info about you mm-hmm. and your book is you've created this core of life lessons that yes. you you picked up from your time working this incredibly successful career in the Navy and in international espionage mm-hmm. and also coming from a, a, let's just call it what it is, a very disadvantaged background and getting to where you were. And so I'd love to hear, you know, my whole thing is becoming the best person I can be. That's yes. what I'm about in life. It's always been that way. I think a lot of the people listening are the same and it sounds like you have some, some of the answers. So um, I'd be happy to hear about some of those um those lessons. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. And, and, and again, you know, it's a great story and the takeaway were those lessons. And as we outlined me as a cryptologist, right. You know, the, I said it was 10 codes that I cracked as a cryptologist and not the secret codes, which there was there, those were there too, but these were life lessons. So it was 10 of them and I'll share some with you. And, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned about being the best version of yourself. and, And I can tell you, through working, just growing up from that disadvantaged environment, having a mother of integrity to working with these top spies. The one fundamental thing that I learned was this, one of the codes, and I'll just kind of read it. No matter what you do in life, no one can beat you at being you. And that's what I learned. You know, oftentimes, you know, we go to school to be the doctor, the lawyer, or, or, or what have you. But what I've found through, through my journey in life is that Whatever that is, just defining yourself and just being the best version of who you are is probably the best thing to do. And I can honestly say, though I do have a profession to this day, I I was taught to just be the best version of who I am. And I can tell you, Nick, I'm becoming better every day. And every day I wake up in the morning, I'm excited about that. And I'm learning to live more in the present and just try to be a better version. And something I just recently learned, I want to share to back that up. I recently heard something, and you may have heard this before, but it's the first time I heard it. I heard someone say, when you think about the past, 
that brings depression. When you think about the future, it brings anxiety. But when you think about the present, that's where your freedom is. And I can tell you, ever since I heard that, which I've practiced this self-awareness and being who I am, but living in the presence is very, very important. And I don't know if that's part of the jujitsu training that you have from a mental standpoint, but I'm telling you right now, um, it's helping me to be a better person. Yeah. I mean, so interesting because just last night I was teaching a jujitsu class and I was explaining to my students who we were doing a specific drill when I was telling them, I was explaining to them how while we're wrestling, while we're training tonight, all I want you to do is just focus on your breathing because that will force you to be in the present moment. Most of the time when we're when you're fighting or doing a sport, you your internal voice is, is narrating what's going on, telling a story, you know, and it's that story is never in the present moment. It's always either a second behind or it's a second in the future. Or it's just not, pre- it's not in the present moment. So I'm, I'm all about that, man. I'm, I'm really all about that. I think that's a great key for life. I just want to come back to what you said about your mother being a person of integrity. Yes. I had a guest on, I'm not going to say his name mm-hmm. recently. And this gentleman was claiming to be certain things, very well qualified. Mm-hmm. And one of my listeners reached out to me and said, Hey man, I looked into this guy's background and he's not being authentic, right? Like he's, he's wow. claiming to be a lot of things that he, that he isn't. Wow. And man, I really, I almost took the episode down, but I didn't because there was still some good stuff in there that could help people, whether or not the guy is, is legit or not. Mm-hmm. But I just, that idea of integrity, I just don't understand people who, who, who aren't, living from a place, coming from a place of integrity because it's it's so short-sighted right when you lie you always get caught out right like and even if you manage to not get caught out mm-hmm. you live with this thing hanging over you that you're just being dishonest right like what kind of a life is that i just i, I don't understand it i i got a comment on that and sorry if i uh, interrupt but that was let me tell you something right I wrote one of those life codes was character and interior is worth something. But in today's environment, let's just talk about this. Remember, this was a life code that I cracked. Mm. When I was brought up, my mother told and taught me, she said, Craig, if you ever lie, if you ever lie, I don't have nothing to do with you. You know, if you know, if you ever go to jail for lying, I would never visit you. That's what she told me. And I said, Mom, what if I like hurt someone or something like that? Would you visit me? She said, well, I'll probably visit you then. But you better not lie. Right. And I told I, I say that because then I went to work with the top spies in the world. And just so you know, okay, Trust they're, the best trade, they're the best trade liars. So I went yeah. from that to that. And yeah. I don't want to give the ending of a book, but chapter 14, I talk about that, you know, coming ahead with my integrity and knowing these things. So what I would say to you is I'm glad you kept the episode up. Because I can tell you, and I didn't know this, this being so naive, but when I joined the world and I started traveling the world and I found that people of high character and integrity, I thought that was, I thought telling a lie was an exception. That was the exception. But in today's world of mis- and disinformation, malinformation, you know, that's the world we live in. And the truth is, is that I'm glad that I am a person of integrity because it keeps me, like you said, you know, you tell one lie, you have to tell another, you know, Mm -hmm. you tell 200 lies, right? But at the end of the day, it's unfortunate, but that's the kind of society that we're in. I rather deal with high integrity people. It's much, much easier to deal with in terms of that. And I'll say this to you. I've enjoyed those gray beards. I enjoyed the work that I've done and even the work that I do continue today. 
And I can tell you that it may sound weird, but those top spies in the world, they are your best trained liars. But these are people of high integrity, too, and high character because they're sure doing that for a purpose. But when yeah. you do that yeah. to manipulate, to mislead, and then go on and do other things, that's disheartening. But it is the world that we're in today, unfortunately. And uh, I, I just don't have those in my circle of influence. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And yeah, it's, it's different. Like if you're a spy and it's your job. Yeah, OK, I get it. But, yeah. you know, one of the things I'm I don't watch much television, but when I do, most of what I watch is documentaries about people committing fraud. Like, it just absolutely fucking fascinates me. I watch the show called American Greed. You know the show, right? Yeah. Each For those listening, each episode, is, uh, it takes a different fraudster or con person from American society in, in, in recent history and then does a little expose on them or like describes how they got caught. Or, mm-hmm. And I finally figured out why I love it so much. Okay. It's because it's so far beyond who I am that it just blows my, it's like every time I, I hear the stories these guys tell to, to commit the frauds that they, they do, it just never ceases to amaze me because it's so beyond my reality. Like I just, I don't lie. I just yeah. I always tell the truth. Right. Yes. And so it's almost like this, it's just fascinating for me. Right. It's, it's, it's uh, to think that people can move through the world, just telling blatant untruths like that just blows my mind. Yeah. It, um, it, 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 is fun. I, I know, and, and you're making me think about several episodes, but what's popping in my head, when I was a young, when I, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, you know, I used to always try to understand why these women would be attracted to these guys that lie, right? And, and I'm like, I just don't understand. This person is not of good character. But what I discovered was the guys lie to them because they believe them, right? They continue to lie because it's like, okay, they're telling them something that they want to hear. Oh, I got this car. I got this lifestyle. And mm. I was always wondered why did that happen when I was younger? But what it was, they, the reason why they continue to lie to women is because it works. Okay. <laughs> Cause it, they're sure. telling them something. Sure. They yeah. And when you think about these folks of low integrity, if they're trying to accomplish something, they have some ambition and people want to get the shortcuts. A lot of those on American Greed shows, these are people that took shortcuts mm. to win. And I think because, you know, because of the kind of integrity that you have and, and the things that you teach and the life that you live, it's just hard to fathom. But, you know, some people have to work hard to get what they want, but some people just want to take that 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 shortcut. And I see a lot of that happening on American Greed. It's just amazing. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's not that show. I just, it's so interesting to me. Yes. Um, and you know, now like thinking, I just had two further thoughts while you were sharing that with me, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with the stuff about women is like, yeah, they've been, if I'm honest with myself, there have been times when I was a younger man where I was dishonest with women. Like that's, that's the truth. Like yeah. I can't, I can't pretend to, yeah, I actually have to call myself out on that. Like there have been times, yeah, where where I, I didn't tell the truth. But I, I will say one thing. Yeah. I never felt good about it. And it always came back to bite me in the ass. Always. Right. right? And so yeah, thankfully I, I learned my lesson with yeah. that. Well um, it, it probably bit you in the, in the tell because it wasn't something that it wasn't who you were. Some people can can carry on like that, but you know you only got caught because that just wasn't who you were. Sure. If you were skilled at lying, 
you wouldn't get caught. Okay. I yeah. Mean, to be yeah. I mean, caught. you know what I mean? I mean, to, to be, to be fair, yeah. these were more lies, lies of omission. And then when I did get caught, it was like, oh, okay. that, kind of like <laughs> but um, yeah. anyway, that's, that's I mean, far in the past. I'm glad that's over. Yeah, man. So you, you have this idea in the book, you, you speak about this concept, which is how changing your mind can change your life. And, oh, and man. I mean, I'm living proof of that. I know that my, yes. my thoughts, when my thoughts change, my reality changes, right? How yes. did you come to that, to that understanding or that, that awareness? Oh, man, I mean, I mean, various things. I mean, life lessons, I mean, um, mistakes and failures. I mean, the whole nine and, and, um, you know, I, I just know, I just understood the power of the mind. I mean, we talk about Maslow's triangle of needs and becoming, you know, living up to your greatest potential. And, you know, so the only way that you can do that, you can't do that from external forces, right? It has to be from the internal side. And one of the things I do know is this, and um, and I'll say this, and let me just caveat this now. I did say, you know, you can't buy peace of mind, right? So in order to be able to control that, right, you need it, you need to you know, be able to understand that, you know, you are in control and your mind is what drives you. And for me, I just wanted to have peace. And you can't buy peace of mind. There's no storefront that you can go in. And I think I may have shared this with you um, prior to today's chat that, you know, you can't buy peace of mind. And if you open up a store, we put a sign out there, Nick, that says peace of mind. I guarantee you, we could, we'll get a crowd and we don't have to put yeah. anything in the store because most people are looking for that. But it starts within the way that we see and how we feel about ourselves. What put me on this path was just the things that I've seen in life. Uh, I did learn in the spy world that everything is in what it seems. Uh, I did have a scare early in my career, you know, that woke me up, that made me very fearful about how the world really works. And I had to do a lot of introspection. And I found that, uh, you know, I'm just better for it. And, you know, it's not that I'm better than anyone. I did come from some humble beginnings and I did have to grow through a lot of things. But what I what I know is that, you know, I can control that. I, I don't want to be motivated by those external factors. And through meditation, to through reflection, um, I really can tell you, I studied Maslow's Triangle of Needs. It makes sense to me. When you get to self-actualization and getting to that top where food, water, and shelter wasn't an issue, you know, it's just it's just all of that. So I think the short of it is just my life experiences have just led me to say, hey, you know, how can I, you know, be a better person? And and I'll stop one just one other thing that kind of spirit. I just it just dawned on me. I've okay. always been reflective or self-reflective person. I've always been that way. But when I started going to junior college, and I and I went to and I was probably in my late twenties. And I took a class on philosophy. And I remember, I don't know if this was, I mean, I remember studying Socrates and Niccolo Machiavelli, those stand out in my mind, but mm -hmm. I don't know if this was Aristotle or whatever, but it was just saying, hey, what, how do you know that the sky is blue? And the only reason why I knew that the sky was blue, because it wasn't innate knowledge, was because someone told me that. So I started on this path of like, okay, so let me just erase everything that anyone has ever taught me. And let me just try to figure this out on our own, right? So we all are kind of born with this blank slate. And you mm -hmm. think about all the things that have gone into your head, through your parents, through your loved ones, through society. And I've never really have, you know, um, I, I, I don't know if I'm living an American dream. I don't have a home. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't have a white picket fence. But I know that those are things that drive us to, 
you know, we get socialized a certain way. And I was taught that, you know, our own success, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Earl Nightingale. And he had this quote and he said that, uh, you know, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And one of the reasons why most people aren't successful, right, is because they conform. They conform to these standards of external and they don't look and they don't think. Mm-hmm. And men need to think and, and not that we are conformists, but we really are. So through just self-reflection saying, hey, you know, well, well, what am I? You know, instead of saying who I am, I mean, what I am, I, I think about who I am. So I think it's just uh, the short answer to all of that is just self-reflection and just knowing mm-hmm. who you are. And I think at the end of the day, I know it's brought me peace. Yeah, that's powerful. One of um, the spiritual teachers that I probably quote most in the show, his name is Osho. And mm-hmm. he says that you should act as if you're the first man, act as if you're the first man on earth. Right? Just when you, when you walk around, like question everything, question why you do things or why you operate in the way you do. Mm-hmm. And there was a period in my late 20s when I did that. I literally questioned everything. Like, why do I brush my teeth with my toothbrush in my right hand? Like everything, everything was um, scrutinized and examined. Like I basically took myself apart so that I could put myself back together in a better way. And I think, I mean, look, it's a, it's a, it's a overused quote, but the unexamined life is not worth living. I really believe that. I yeah. really believe that. And, Socrates uh, said that. Socrates said that. In fact, illegitimate son is my examined life. Socrates said that. And I was looking for a quote that I heard you say, and I said, I've never heard that. And and I don't know where you learned this, but I'm like, God, I'm going to ask you about it. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And it was like the definition of hell. And it says the last day, the definition of hell is the last day you have on earth. The man that you became will meet the man that you could have been. And I wanted you to know that that was one of the most powerful things that resonated with me. And I wrote down here, I never heard that. And it's so powerful and it resonates with me that I'm going to reflect on that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to work towards being that man before I meet him. hundred percent. I wish I knew it. That quote is it's, uh, I I don't know who it's attributed to. I've searched and I found different uh, theories about who it's attributed to. I just I, yeah. I put unknown when I when I quoted and and that yeah. quote changed my life in a huge way. It's actually on my business card. I have that on the bottom of my business card because that to me really is the definition of hell, right? You oh, yeah. you get to the end of your life and you meet the person that you could have been. I uh, know, right? and, and, and and it scared me when you when I read that, Nick. I swear, I was like, I don't want to meet that guy, right? I'm going to beat him. Right. hundred percent. And I said, I'm definitely going to tell you that. And I'm so glad that we ventured down this part of the conversation because yeah. it was something I definitely wanted to tell you because I had never heard that before. Never. Yeah. It's powerful, man. I'm, I'm really yeah. glad it resonated with you. You yeah. spoke about, about you wanted peace and, and, and peace of mind. You, you can't buy it. What I'm reminded mm-hmm. of is when I was a, a younger man, I, I had two friends who were very wealthy at a young age mm-hmm. and I remember one one thing clearly that they both had in common. They they'd come by their money, not in illegal ways, but in in slightly dishonest ways. That's the best mm-hmm. way I can put it. it. Actually, not even slightly. They'd they'd come by their their money in dishonest ways. They'd acted mm-hmm. out of integrity. And the mm-hmm. thing they both had in common is they both couldn't sleep well. I'll never forget that those mm-hmm. guys couldn't wow. sleep well. They just and yeah, there's a price to be paid, right? 
if you yeah. if you act out of integrity and oh sorry uh, not not within integrity yeah i was going to say you know we were talking about the buy peace of mind you know this you can go and buy that mattress you can go and buy that sleep pillow or whatever yeah. but you can't be promised a good night's sleep you know you can go and you you know they say you can buy love but but everything that's in life that we treasure the most a good night's sleep for example right you can't mm-hmm. buy that and if you're doing things that's disturbing that, that's just is what it is. And I can tell you, I've had a lot of worry and nights of fear and, and, and anxiety and things like that. But the truth is, I, I, I never go in the bed questioning my own integrity. And I could tell you that would eat you mm-hmm. alive. And um, it probably makes sense that they didn't rest well because uh, I know I sleep well. I sleep. Nick, I'm going to bed early these days. I don't know what that means. Maybe getting old, but I can tell you, I sleep really, really well now because I'm not yeah. worried about something that I lied about or something that I took from sure. someone, you know, and I'm working every day just to be a better person. And if I can share this with you, uh, one of the other quotes that I, um, quotes that I cracked, I put overcoming and then feeding yourself is freedom. And one of the things that, you know, we're kind of saying it, but I'll be explicit about it. I do really think that we have to overcome ourselves. When he tell you, you know, look at yourself as a blank slate. I mean, that's true because most of the things that we, you know, are inspired by are, you know, your first 17, 18 years a year, uh, life, someone is nurturing your beliefs, your understanding and things of that nature. So I think we do get to a point where we do have to overcome and defeat ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard that quote. I can contribute that to uh, what's his name? Kevin Gates. He's a well-known artist. And uh, he, he and I and I have that quote and it says overcoming and defeating yourself is, is freedom. And it is. And sure. I can tell you the more I and it, it helps me to be better. I don't compare myself to other people. You know, I just try to be the best man that I can be. And I think when 100%. we do that and not compare ourselves, I think we have a lot more peace and freedom. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, comparison is the thief of joy, I think is a, a Buddhist yes. quote. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I wanted to to ask you, man, and again, this may be too personal of a question, but I don't think so. I think you're you're not the kind of guy who will be offended. You, you yeah. said you don't have a home and you don't have a wife. Which yeah. is some, someone uh, like, <laughs> your, how old are you, um, Craig? Remind me. I don't mind sharing that. I'm 58 years old. Okay. Um, and I'll say for those of well, you think that you don't have a home. Remember, I was in the military and I traveled the world mm. somewhere two years, three years. I never had kids. And the truth is, you know, and in case you're wondering, there's a plug for it. There's a book out called The Wealthy Renter. Read that book. Okay. The Wealthy Renter. I'll definitely yeah. read that. The Wealthy so. Renter. Okay. okay. And, uh, you know, I never had to have that. You know, I never really have been motivated by things. And I, you know, just growing up the way that I did, I said I would never, ever, you know, put myself in a situation where I would have a child and not be there. Mm-hmm. So I, when I think about my life and, and I think to myself, like, OK, maybe that was an influence on me. You know, and, and you know, have I, I've had a number of girlfriends. I've been engaged. I even talk about the server in the book. And I think I've always tried to be a better person. I mean, I've never I can say it this much. This is the best version of Craig I have ever been. I have so much peace. And I even had a conversation with a friend of mine this morning and I was just asking her questions. You know, she's, you know, she's seeking love and things of that nature. And I was asking her pretty much, I mean, you know, I'm interested in in why is that so important to you? And, you know, people talk about companionship and things of that nature. I get that. 
But at the end of the day, some people just can't be by themselves. And one mm-hmm. thing that I can tell you that I've learned, and I think that every man should uh, consider is that once you can learn to be by yourself, then you can be with others. If you 100%. can't stand be in a room with yourself, you probably don't need to be in a room with anyone else. Yeah. I think that uh, I know I enjoy my life and, and being single, you know, I, I love my life, but I also love my ability to be able to do, um, you know, what I want to do. And if that were to happen to me, fine. But uh, yeah, I'm not your traditional success story. And I like to say that, remember we said success was the progressive mm-hmm. realization of a worthy ideal. Yeah. Just because, you know, somebody want to look at me, oh, well, why does he rent? Well, go and read the wealthy renter and you'll understand why. Sure. I mean, yeah, there's no, no judgments from me. I sometimes think yeah. that I've, I've read quite a few things that say like buying a house isn't necessarily a, a great financial decision. And I've also read quite a few things that say that having a, a wife isn't the best decision. So like, there's no judgments from me. I don't have a wife. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't have yeah. a girlfriend. Uh, peace is important to me as well. And this is something I've been reflecting deeply on. I spend a lot of time at ho- alone, a lot of time, like way more than the average person. You, you probably spend a similar amount of time alone. Yeah. And what I, I realize is, you know, if a woman's going to come into my life and be a part of my life, mm-hmm. my tolerance for drama is it's zero. It's not even low. I don't even have a low tolerance. I just have zero tolerance because my life is so good as it is Yeah, that unless someone coming into it makes it significantly better and has a lot to offer, I'm just not interested. Right. I'm the same way. And, you know, and like I said, and I don't want it when I, when I meet that young lady or what have you, I don't want to be the focus of her life. And then she, cause she's not going to be the focus of mine. Yeah. And I've heard someone say that. And I think oftentimes when we meet people, you know, we put all our energy in these people. I want someone that can be able to complement my life. And that's not easy with someone who's gotten to the mental state that I have, because sure. when you mentioned about drama, right. You know, you can see that coming a mile away. I do have a lot of friends and things of that nature. I do go out, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I have my peace. I, I can say this to you. <laughs> I'll share this because it's funny. I was speaking to, she's probably in her seventies and she couldn't believe that I was single. You're a handsome young man. And she's calling me young, right? You're sure. a handsome young man. I don't understand why you don't have a wife, you know? And I'm sitting there thinking, because I don't want to. You ever thought about that, right? right. <laughs> and, uh, so, but it's almost like she couldn't imagine. She'd been married. She still is. Been married 43 years and she got married in her twenties. So she can't even imagine. Do you think people are lonely because that's what, you know, the Dunfern, she has a beautiful marriage. But that being said, that's not may not necessarily be for everyone. And that's the point. I think in our society, we get conditioned. And what Earl Nightingale was saying is that one of the reasons why folks aren't successful is because they conform. And they conform into something that the standards in the world is shaping around that. You know, yeah, I can get a tax benefit. I can get the write-offs and all of that. But if that's the reason why you're doing that, you have to know why you're doing what you're sure. doing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and I got a roof over my head. I can move anywhere I want to go at any time. I don't have to worry about all of that stuff. And if I'm really being honest with you, when you buy, when you get a mortgage, you're actually renting from the bank. And people need to understand that. And an asset is what? A home is not necessarily an asset. Yeah, it's a liability. An asset is something that puts money in your pocket. Right? Unless, yeah. unless, that, unless you're renting that place out, and someone is giving you more than what the mortgage is. If your mortgage is twelve hundred, sure. and you got a renter paying you thirty, now that's an asset because it's paying you something. That came from rich dad, poor dad. Uh, I remember that book very well. I read yeah. it a long time ago. Yeah, 
basically that's an asset. So you kind of define that, you know, as an asset. You know, we all have to have a roof over our heads and, you know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily an investment. Now, if you're going to have that, you got a long family. Yeah, it can turn into those kinds of things. But, you know, it's what you do with that other residual um, mm-hmm. that you would have if you weren't, you know, I just don't blow my money or anything like that. But sure. I don't have to pay maintenance and things like that. And I find other ways to make investments. So that's how I do that. And um, yeah. the wealthy renter. They actually outline that. And um, I'll just say this. I think the the National Realtors Association has done a great, masterful job in advertising and brainwashing us into thinking that you you must be foolish to be paying rent. And depending yeah. on where you are in the world or or even in the States, that varies. Some places that might be the case. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you. I also think about this idea of being, of not conforming, non-conformity and, and yes. I mean, that's been a big theme in my life. I really have always actively tried to not conform unless I wanted to, right? I always looked at it as a, a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And my friend, one of the smartest men I the smartest men I know, he has a very I was in South Africa a few months ago and he made this, he said something to me which just fucking blew my mind. He said, You either become a contrarian or you become a victim. Yeah. And that stuck out for me. And I realized that there's something to that, right? You either, be, mm. you either turn away from the crowd and go in the opposite direction or you become a victim to something. And I think there's something to that. You, I'm telling you, you know, if you or your listeners don't remember anything that we've said in this podcast, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. There's this video. It's about 31, 32 minutes by Earl Nightingale. It's called The Strangest Secret. Have you ever heard of it, Nick? I've listened to it many times. It's one of my favorites. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. I remember listening to that. And remember, that was recorded in the 1950s. Yeah. I think it still applies today. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about one one of the things men don't think. and, And we're talking about conformity conforming. And that's what happens. And we get, and don't get me wrong, people have some very successful lives and I've seen them. I have friends, I have family that have done beautiful lives, but you know, I, I just don't want to conform. You know, I, I don't want to be a victim of this world. I just want to be able to enjoy it uh, while I can. And yeah, you know, I just want to enjoy it. And Denzel it sounds, it sounds like you are enjoying it. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more good stuff, including uh, in your own words, some young ladies that fit the bull. Someone stole it too. I didn't want to say, uh, <laughs> you know. And I, you know, just to be clear, and I, I, I do enjoy my life. I mean, I really, really do. And you know, I have ninety-nine problems and dating it in one. That's for sure. But I, I just do. I do think that you know, just focusing on just being a better version of ourselves. Shows like this, for example, I really love your podcast. I learned something so much and I do think it's a great form for people who want to be reflective of their lives. And some of the, just some of the people you've had on here have just been extraordinary. And, mm-hmm. and I just feel honored just to be here to talk about this book yeah, and just sharing this conversation with you. Yeah, me too. And I think that's a great place to end it, Craig. And if people want to read this book, they can go to it's illegitimate dash sun, S U N.com. Right. And they, sure. they can also find it on Amazon. They can find it on Amazon as well. And, uh, you know, I just want to, again, thank you, Nick. It's just been a pleasure uh, to discuss this today. Pleasure's all mine, my brother. And um, I'm sure we'll have you on the on the show again in the future. I really appreciate you. Please do. And, uh, you know, have a good day. 
That was fun. <laughs> I know Craig was kind of nervous for this show. I think um, he's, a, he's a new author and he's just starting this publicity tour and, and my podcast was one of his first media appearances. So I know he was quite a little bit nervous. As I said in the intro, we recorded this previously and it, and it didn't work because of technical difficulties and he loosened up a lot more on this on this episode, which was cool. And um, just a cool guy. I, I had a long conversation with him after I stopped recording and he was even more relaxed because he, he wasn't like um, camera shy is not the right word, but I guess microphone shy. And uh, he's the real deal. He's a good dude. As I said on the show, like I had someone on recently who he was just dishonest with me and uh, just blows my mind. Like the kind of person who does stuff like that. And I don't know, maybe I need to do better background checks on my guests. I probably should start doing that. Maybe I will start doing that. Anyway, if you guys have an idea for a guest and it's someone who's done something cool in the world or is doing something cool in the world, uh, send me an email. It's one, the number one at coachnickg.com. And uh, maybe we can get them on the show. Hope you guys have an amazing week and I'll be back with another episode for you soon. Until next time, may the force be with you.